Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Ghostbusters! Ghostbusters. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you! Hey there, enthusiasts. Welcome back to Hero Talk. I'm Judge Greg. I am your host. I am the lie. You know it. Joining me today on my digital right, the Dark Princess, and on my digital left, Baron Fang. Neither one of us being a Baron, a princess, or a judge. <laughs> but that's who we are. So, Jen, Jeff, hey, welcome to Hero Talk. Thank welcome. you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. All right. So today we're going to talk about Ghostbusters, a very, very popular movie, uh, just just about to hit its 30-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. So, Jeff, I'm going to ask you the question, because we're the old ones here. <laughs> did you see this in the theater? No, I did not. Actually, I'm um, I'm a I'm a bit embarrassed to admit. Probably my first uh, exposure to Ghostbusters was the real Ghostbusters cartoon, and then I <laughs> and then I saw the the actual movie like maybe a year after that. Um, I I didn't really see a lot of movies in the theater at that age, and I think my parents might have been worried about some of the salty language, perhaps. Uh, yeah. yeah. So no, not in the theaters now. For me, this is going to be a fun one. I saw this in the theater. Oh wow! First movie I ever saw in the theater. And and I was I was fairly young. Like I know this movie's been out a while, and I I seem kind of old, but like I was still pretty young. I think I was like three or four when I finally saw this movie. Oh wow! I uh, would have been yeah, I would have been three, turning four. And uh, that librarian ghost at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's saying it's a comedy, and like I'm a little kid, and I see that ghost, and that thing scared me so bad. <laughs> uh. But now to this day, I'm actually kind of interested in haunted places. So I don't know. Maybe this hmm. this affected me in some form. Inspired that, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. So, so Jen, you you obviously were not around when this was in the theaters the first time. <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> so when did when did uh when did you see this movie? It's funny because I feel like I've and I think this is part of the reason why I hold them so close to my heart and why they're some of my favorite movies. I just grew up watching them. I can't even tell you the first time I watched it. I feel like I was watching it when I was in diapers. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I don't, I mean, I just grew up watching it. I'm sure it was on VHS in my house all the time. Me and my brother just were raised on it all the time. And I just got obsessed. So. Yeah. Did you ever see the cartoon? The, uh, the real oh, Ghostbusters? The real Ghostbusters. Oh, oh, yes. I loved it. That's why I giggled when he mentioned it, because yeah. I loved it so very much. Yeah, I uh, I didn't get this at the time. I watched it, by the way. I watched um just about every episode. And then I read about it later, and it turns out, that, well, I just think it's funny, and there's these other ghosts, and I'm not paying attention. The writers took so much special care to, like, actually investigate real cases of ghost stories and, like, real mythologies. And, like, there weren't a whole lot of throwaway stories. They put so much work into that show. And it yeah. feels like wasted effort because it went right over my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't appreciate a lot of the uh, of that stuff until later myself. It, um... Yeah, yeah, you're you're probably right. For all for all the research they did, I I don't think the uh, kids that were <laughs> watching the show really appreciated the uh, that 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 extra effort. Yeah. Now, did you see the other Ghostbusters cartoon that was on around the same time? You know, I have a vague recollection of it. I remember being uh, angry that he even existed. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is? No, and, technically, and to be honest, it was I don't first... know the story. Well, yeah. 
how how did that how did that work? Was it they got the name I, first, I think or they they used the name, or I think they had been using the name. I'm not sure when it was out, but it turns out they didn't actually have a copyright on it, if I'm remembering the story correctly. So when it came time to make you know the Ghostbusters that we all know and love, right? Like they just they just couldn't call their show Ghostbusters. They could call themselves and everything else Ghostbusters. Uh, okay, so right. That's why the uh, show is the real Ghostbusters. Okay, I, look, I have a vague recollection of that alternate one, and I think I think they actually both came out more or less the same time, around 86, 87, but uh, I, I don't really remember anything about it other than th- that it felt like a poor substitute for the real thing. <laughs> I remember there was a monkey. Yes, yes, there was and, definitely a monkey. And I think the car talked. Yeah. It was like an old-timey, like, Adam's Family-type car, and that's what they that's what they rode around in. So, just... Forgive me, but I had I had no idea there was even another Ghostbusters cartoon. So can you just quickly explain what it was? Was it them, or was it a whole different team? It, of- it was a whole different team. It was it was um I think a tall blonde guy, and then a short dark haired guy, and a monkey, like literally a monkey, <laughs> an orangutan. <laughs> and they would drive around in their car, which could also talk. Oh god! And then they would fight like this other like evil ghost who was in ghosts after them. They had a theme song, which was not nearly as iconic. Hmm. Didn't they live in a house in between the World Trade Centers or something like that? Like, literally? I think like, so. A yeah, little... yeah, like, it was, like, <laughs> the two giant towers and, like, this little shack-type house right in between them. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was, uh, it was um, certainly not as watchable. <laughs> no, um, it, was, it was quite bad. Yeah. But speaking of watchable, so let's talk about this movie. Uh, Cast this movie, I'm just going to go over real quick. We have Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis, Ernie Hudson, mm. and and I just I just looked this up and I thought it was really kind of classic. Reginald Vell Johnson once again as a police officer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, if there's ever a guy who was typecast, <laughs> that's him. I, I have to wonder is that is that the first chronological uh, appearance be, right? of him as like, a police officer? <laughs> this this predates Die Hard. Oh, for sure, definitely yeah. before Die Hard. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, A great, a great cast, pretty much top to bottom. Um, And I I mean, great. Granted, I, I've, I've never really. um, I before Jen wrote her her recent article on uh, on the site, I hadn't really thought too much about the alternative castings. The the only one that I had heard of was the uh, was of course the uh, uh, John Belushi. yeah. Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Jen, you you mentioned that there were some other uh, alternatives that that came up before they they uh, decided on a couple of the supporting characters as well. Yeah. Who who else did you have in the article, Jen? I remember a couple, and then I think I looked up another few. Well, in have? the in the early stages of writing it, um, Dan Aykroyd had envisioned basically Eddie Murphy as Winston. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. John Can and then John Candy as Tolly. Right, but he like John so, Candy was going to be like not the geek guy, but he was like a different type of character, wasn't he? Still, still. I, uh, I'm sure he would have been different because yeah. I can't imagine you picturing John Candy fully <laughs> in what he became. But yeah. that's basically what he had in mind. And then again, Belushi is Bankman. But it's funny though that you know, okay, Belushi passed away. The other two yeah. turned down the roles. Then apparently Michael Keaton and Chevy Chase were both. Offered and turned down roles, the the right. option to play Bankman. Mm. So I just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just feel like it was, like I said in the article, I just feel like it was complete, just destiny intervening and fate. Just I cannot imagine anyone else playing these characters. The chemistry was perfect. 
Yeah. Bill Je- Murray needs to be in this movie. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Jen and I were talking about the Eddie Murphy uh, idea, and it's it's wrong on a lot of reasons. One, because h- how are you going to get Eddie Murphy to play a supporting role in anything? Like it just mm-hmm. it doesn't work. Like he's you know he's got a larger than life personality. What you, you, the the Winston character needed to be kind of an everyman, a guy, yeah. an, an unknown who came he's in. He's not a scientist. He just wants the job. You know. Yeah. Yeah, if it had, if it had been Eddie Murphy turning up at the what fifty minute mark or whatever, like, <laughs> would we have been able to just like get over the fact that oh Eddie Murphy's now in the movie and and actually accept Winston as like the new guy you know who's overawed by all this? I I just don't think yeah. I, I think so- Eddie would have been cracking wise really yeah, rather than I, playing the character. I am certain that if Eddie Murphy was playing Winston, Winston would show up in the first act. Oh right, <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. he would be like they would be hiring him as soon as they got the building. Yeah, you know, or he'd be their buddy that they knew or something. But I also feel like he was more of an anchor to like the everyday, like you said, like the everyman, but like just everyday person watching it. Mm. He was sort of like the sane anchor to all this silly craziness happening and all this humor and over the topness. Eddie Murphy would have just pushed it over, whereas he was sort of. You know, he was funny and relatable in his normal way. Like, oh, that's a big twinkie. Like, just <laughs> chill and approachable and yeah. all that. So, much yeah. better fit. Easily my favorite of the Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And I know that's sacrilege because it's supposed <laughs> to be Peter Venkman. But I just, I liked that he was just, trying, you know, this was just a job for him, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if the dead are rising from their grave or whatever. Like, no, he's trying to get his 11 5. <laughs> <laughs> And as much as I uh, respect John Candy, um, Rick, mm. I mean, Rick Moranis needed to be Lewis. The Lewis character needed to be the way he was. And just the visuals with Rick Moranis playing off the taller, <laughs> more I, dominant Sigourney oh, Weaver. Was, their scenes were great. Sigourney Weaver was great in this movie, too. Mm. Um, this, oh, yeah. This was, she had just come off of Alien, right? I think Alien was before this. Jeff, you're old. You'd remember, right? A- a- <laughs> Alien, definitely. I, I, yeah. Ali- aliens, uh, I would assume, would have been after this. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure it was. Pretty, pretty sure. Um, yes, but yeah, correct. I just looked she, it up so that nobody has to yell into their iPod. <laughs> she, she's great because um, she, you need yeah, for for the whole Vankman Dana thing to work as well as it did it helped that she was you know competent smart yeah that not not you know tolerating his bullshit rather than you know if if the female lead had been another character like the um the chick at the beginning doing the asp <laughs> oh yeah. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have been nearly as interesting you had no. you had to have somebody who was going to be um you know the, the whole the whole through line about no one believing her that this you know madness was happening in in her apartment it it um she wasn't a she wasn't a damsel in distress character despite the fact that she was going to them for help but at the same time she was the perfect sort of fo- uh you know foil for for Vankman and his mm-hmm. silliness I I really can't picture anyone else uh pulling it off as well as she did to be honest no I mean it was. I thought she was flawless. And sadly, she always tends to get these roles where she's in her underwear. And somewhere <laughs> in there, people tend to forget that she's actually a very talented actress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, well, we got a little bit of her in her underwear, but we did get the talented <laughs> actress part, too. Uh, yeah. Just want to point out, before we move on too far, there was another uh, potential character who was ca- who they were, had thought of, but they didn't actually cast for the role. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally, for Gozer, was not supposed to be the Yugoslav model. Yeah. Not going to try her name. 
<laughs> but uh, the original idea was that Gozer was going to be in the form of Ivo Shandor, who was the, the creepy architect from Spook Central. Right. And they wanted him to be played by Paul Rubens. Oh, now was Paul Rubens well? Was he? Uh, I mean, I know, I know that Pee Wee Pee Wee Herman character was uh, w- was something that ca- that you know grew at the grassroots. But was he was he known as Pee Wee yet at that point? Yeah, like he, um, now I think at this point he was still doing Pee Wee as sort of a uh, adult. Yes, <laughs> like Pee Wee wasn't quite targeted at kids yet. Right. So he was like, he was playing Pee Wee as the man child, but it was like sort of for an adult audience. Um, so yeah, he had been doing that at this time. I think he started doing that in '81, somewhere in there, when he developed the character. Yeah, that would have been a weird decision to go with him. I mean, he could play a villain. He played a ridiculous villain in that god awful Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie for comedic effect, but well, could he pull he, off scary, intimidating? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like. <laughs> I think it worked. It worked better with just having um, Miss Slavica Jovan. Yeah, I'm sorry, Miss Jovan. I'm assuming <laughs> she's listening. Of course. I, I don't think she's missed one yet, but I'm I'm sorry. I, I missed your name. But then they they had uh, some other guy doing the voice, and I think that was creepy enough to yeah to do the job. It needed to be some something otherworldly, really. You know, if it had just been some comedic actor <laughs> in a bunch of makeup, yeah. I don't think it would have had the gravity that it did. Yeah, plus, I mean, I don't think Ivor Shandor, Ivo Shandor showing up would be as big a, like, maybe a drop as they might think. Like, he, he, mm. yeah, he was mentioned quite a bit, but people didn't so much care. No, no. No, it wasn't. It, you didn't need to build up to to reveal of I, Ivo Shandor for the stories about him to have the impact that they did. Um, yeah, I think they made the right move having a, a kind of an unknown face provide that, yeah. that role. Right. So... Moving on, a couple of other people I just want to mention because I think they were good in what they did is uh, William Atherton as Walter Peck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now, he's the not not to get too political while we talk about the Ghostbusters movie, but there was that meme going around a few months ago that kind of made me laugh, where they described it as the ultimate libertarian movie because it's just these three guys trying to start their business, and then the government <laughs> walks in and shuts it down, and they almost destroy the city. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's funny. I I don't know that I had ever heard of the EPA before <laughs> the Ghostbusters. To be honest, was that Very the film funny. that that catapulted them into the public consciousness? I wonder. <laughs> they were, I mean, they were around, but I think they was. I think that's the first time the EPA has been officially declared the uh, the villain. The villain of the film. <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny because I, you almost think like you couldn't do that today. No, oh. no, God, he can't forget. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, no, it was a weird, <laughs> and of course the uh, the the uh, this the, the poor electrician <laughs> who yeah. has to do his bidding. I love the guy who's just looking. I don't know how this damn thing works. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, if he does that again, you can shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was uh, such a classic moment. All right, so one thing we need to touch on. All right, because we've 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 talked about a couple of folks. Dan Aykroyd. Mm. He's sort of the genius behind this whole thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I was I watched an interview with him, and this was pretty recent. I think it was something they did for the release of the video game. Right. And they yeah. they remade Ecto One to take to I think like all the cons or whatever, so that they could have Ecto One there to help promote the game. So they modeled it right after what was in the movie, and Dan Aykroyd goes to look at it and p- 
pointing at all the stuff on Ecto-1. And, like, he says what its name is and what it would do and what its actual purpose was and, like, why it needed that. And he knew so much about, like, the whole paranormal, like, it's all theoretical science. And to us, it's all just, like, they said some large words and I'm going to believe it. But, like, it's all founded in some study somewhere. And he knows all of it. Yeah, he obviously put a lot of uh, thought into <laughs> into everything, uh, and it, and if the uh, if the look and the um, uh, the lingo and everything yeah. <laughs> is as memorable as it is, it's largely thanks thanks to his efforts. I think yeah. that's clear. He at one point I think said that technically everything in the movie could be made. It would just cost like seventy trillion dollars. <laughs> proton packs included? <laughs> maybe maybe that was for one proton pack. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't think he priced it for all four. <laughs> Maybe five. They need a spare, right? Right. You well, think they'd need a backup? Yeah. And it turns. It, it turns out they did have a backup in the sequel, didn't they? <laughs> oh mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> See, we're gonna try not to talk the sequel as much as possible because I'd like to remember Ghostbusters positively. <laughs> hey, now I love that one. No, you don't. Yes, yeah. I do. I love no, them both. No, you are mistaken. I love them both. You hate to. <laughs> no, oh. it was. So let's, all right, we're, we're going to move on from <laughs> Ghostbusters 2. All right. All right, Fair so enough. this is usually the part where I ask this open-ended question and let people talk on it for a while, and I know the answer. I'm going to ask anyway. Jen, did you like this movie? I love this movie. It's one of my favorites. Of course it is. <laughs> I, I, I don't know anybody who doesn't like this movie. Yeah. I feel like everyone holds it very close to their heart. It's very beloved by everybody. It's, I mean, it has everything. It has yeah. a great cast, amazing writing. Again, genius behind it. Yeah. Just everything came together where you can't duplicate something like that. It it still holds up today. I mean, yeah. it's obviously in another era. I mean, this this movie is, if you took a jar and just filled it with 1980s and sealed it up, that's Ghostbusters because everything mm-hmm. is just 1980s in it. Yeah. But it still holds up where you can watch it and you don't you don't spend the whole movie saying like, oh, well, pff, that's not there. I mean, you can't do that. Or, and I, I suppose the only... Th- even the the effects are great, except I gotta say this: if they ever did a special edition, this would be the only thing I want them to touch. Is any time that the dog is jumping or walking or doing something other than just sitting there? <laughs> oh yeah, it looks yeah. horrible. Yeah, old school claymation type. Yeah, but it's like they try to claymation and then they they need to like superimpose it on the real, th- and it just doesn't look good. It's terrible, and I just everything else they could keep. Like, the proton pack still look good. Slimer still looks good. Mm. Uh, Holds up quite nicely. Mr. Stay Puffed still looks good. Everything (laughs) else works, except for those stupid dogs. (laughs) Yeah, I I I tend to agree. uh, I do just have to interject while we're talking about that. A lot of people were actually pissed off when they, not to get off topic about another movie, but just as an example, E.T., when they went back into it, they made him too animated with CG, that people actually went, hey, you're f-ing with the movie here. Like, stop mm. it. Well, I kind of I feel like in a way I almost wouldn't want them to change it. Listen, I'm not saying you go back and you change when it's when it's actually one of the Jim Henson puppets. Those are perfect. Yeah. But I would say whenever you're using the the claymation that doesn't quite look like it belongs, replace it with something that looks like it belongs. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Fair enough. Yeah, we're not we're not talking about changing them to, into holding walkie talkies instead of rifles or something. Yeah. Uh, God, <laughs> something like that. Oh, flashlights instead of proton packs. <laughs> yeah, shining yeah. flashlights. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> I'm upset because it's plausible. Exactly. <laughs> who do you think they changed the EPA guy to? Like, I'm Walter Peck from the... Who, who, fill in the blank. What would they dub in there? Uh, eight, uh, I don't know. ATF? NRA? It, they're, they're, it's, yeah, <laughs> NRA? I'm Walter Peck from the NRA. Yeah, we, yeah. we like to pick those guys apart these days, don't we? So this movie made, like, a ton of money. Mm, ten times the budget, apparently. Yeah, which which was not a small budget. No, not for 1980s. <laughs> not, not for what was ostensibly a comedy. Yeah, uh, uh, well. $30 million in 1984 for a comedy. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess good thing it worked out. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's funny. Like, when you think about it, like... It must have been a pretty bold pitch. I mean, yes, okay, Aykroyd had some star power. I don't know if he was I don't know if he was exactly kicking a lot of goals at the box office. I mean, I know he had been in Blues Brothers, certainly, and probably a few other films of note, but did did he really have the pull that he could you know, and that he could, you know Well go it, in and, and get somebody to write him a blank check? I don't know. <laughs> well the thing is he goes to Ivan Reitman. Mm. And Ivan Reitman absolutely has that pull. Yeah. <laughs> and he brings in Harold Ramis, the late Harold Ramis, who mm. is a comedic genius on levels that most people will never understand. Yeah. And I think once you have, you know, Ivan Reitman and Harold Ramis on board, then you're actually in a position where you can start to command that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and and get them to budget for all the special effects yeah. in a in a film where nor <laughs> in a comedy where normally, you know, you could probably shave half the budget right there by taking oh, yeah. that sort of stuff out. Now, I hear tell that they did a, uh, a test screening, like, without special effects, and everyone loved it. And so that's when they decided, like, okay, we can go ahead and finish this and do this. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. wonder what they were using for all the ghosts. <laughs> I, I don't, like, I don't know if it was just, like, no ghosts or, or what, or Sheep. maybe they had some of them, but not everything filled in. Yeah, mm. possible. Yeah. So another breakout star of this movie is Slimer. Right. Mm. Now, I have to say, I like Slimer in terms of what he did in this movie, but man, he blew up after this, and oh, I man. am just not a fan. I don't get it. <sighs> Can I just say that when I was little, and this will prove how much of a fan I was of these movies, my dad nicknamed me Slimer. <laughs> not not lying. Not because he of these movies? Or was that... No, yeah, because okay. I was such a big fan, and I loved them so much, he would call me Slimer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know, I, right? Wasn't for your table manners then or anything? Like, well, like you know, but we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it's not that kind of podcast, so we're just going to leave that. Yeah, I hate Slimer. Okay. I just, I, I never liked him. I don't get, because to me, he's the ghost from the beginning that, that slimes Peter and they have to catch in a phenomenal scene. Yeah. Uh, every Everybody recognizes that. That was the quintessential, like, that was, you know, the scene. And then you show up in the cartoon, and he's just hanging he's the around. Mascot. He's their buddy, and he's <laughs> yeah. their mascot, and he's he's in so much of it. And then it gets to the point after the cartoon's been on for so long. Now it's called Slimer and the Real Ghostbusters. Uh, yeah. like, so not only is he around, and he's he's not a ghost, but he is their mascot. Now he gets top billing. Yeah, yeah, you that was necessary. You couldn't walk into a Toys R Us for like you know five to ten years after the movie was out and not see Slimer somewhere on the shelf or in multiple places around. Ecto Cooler was on the shelf for (laughs) years after the series was done. Yes. (laughs) You know, fun fact about your, while we're speaking about Ivan Reitman and now Slimer, do you know that he actually provided the, um, well, voice, if you you will, for Slimer? Ivan Reitman? Yeah. I did not know that, no. (laughs) 
I know. I just very recently learned that. I thought that was crazy. And we he also are learning so much today. I know. Well, okay. Well, I have another one for you. Oh well. He also, <laughs> was the voice of Dana Barrett when she's possessed by Zool. Oh, he's the voice. That there is no Dana, only Zool. Only Zool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was Reitman. That's the the most overquoted line from that movie that I use is there is no Dana, only Zool. Mm-hmm. I uh. There for a period of time, that was my voicemail on my cell phone. <laughs> he gets four rings like, there is no Dana, only Zool. <laughs> and then nobody got it. So I had to change it. And, Shame on them. But I love this movie. Not only was it the first movie I ever saw in the theater, it was the first uh, VHS movie that I ever had, and the first mm-hmm. DVD I ever had. Oh, wow. Sadly, not the first Blu-ray. Oh. Yeah, I, I, it was. Um, it took a few years to come out on Blu-ray, didn't it? Um, yeah. And they... Never released the second, but now finally they're fixing that with this upcoming Blu-ray set, which I'm right. so excited for. No, you, no, you're not, Jen. <laughs> I am. She's a completist. Hmm. Especially yeah. with the, a series that I love this much, and I truly do love the second one. I'm not saying it's as good as the first, but I love them pretty equally. Sorry. No, I... <laughs> it's so I, good, though. But it's not. And I think that's part of the issue is that it's not. I feel like they really kept that chemistry going with but everybody. They, they got everyone back. They did get everyone back. I'm trying to think if anybody didn't come back. Hey there, enthusiasts. Judge Greg, interrupting your podcast just to give you a public service announcement. At this point in the podcast, we mistakenly went on a pretty long tirade about how Mayor Lenny didn't return to the Ghostbusters sequel. Uh, looking back, he obviously, he did return, and he had a pretty prominent role in that movie, but it had been a long time since we'd seen it. I tried to cut that part out and ended up cutting way too much audio, so I'm going to leave it in. So, if you're listening right now, just understand, we know we're wrong, and we'll correct it in the next podcast. Enjoy. Uh... Well, did Walter Peck? Oh, the uh, the mayor was different. Different mayor. <laughs> was it? True. Yeah, wasn't uh, wasn't uh, Mayor Lenny? It was uh, Bill Murray's brother played the mayor. Oh, did he? Okay, I didn't realize that. Brian Doyle Murphy, is that right? Murray. That would make more sense. Mm, okay. Yeah. I didn't remember that. I remember because Brian Doyle Murray was the mayor in the Ghostbusters video game. That being the most recent one. Oh, uh, the event. Okay, the adventure not the title? most recent one. That was that stupid multiplayer one. So, yeah, the 2009 oh, game, yeah. he was the mayor that in the one. 2009 game, which uh, we'll talk about the games later, because this, man, you could talk mm. about the games of this movie could be its own podcast. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Jen, I think I interrupted you. You were saying something? Well, no, that's actually what I was going to say, is speaking of games, Ghostbusters 2 was one of the first, like, games I was really, really, really into in Nintendo, part of what, what really got me into gaming. Are you serious? That game was terrible. Yeah. I know it was terrible, but I was like, how old? What year did that game come out? I was oh. born in 86. Um, I mean, well, the movie was 89, so I would guess probably 90. All right, yeah, well, it didn't take much right. to please me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember. I uh, I didn't have that game, but like my my neighbor down the street did. And so I was at his house, and we'd play it. And it was, it was hard to control, and it was like you were shooting the slime, but you had like the one, you'd use like the arrow buttons to aim the slime, and then you'd have to shoot mm-hmm. it. But like, then you'd also have to run, and it was, <laughs> there were these awesome. driving sections where you had to hit these jumps and drive Ecto-1, and it was terrible to control, and oh, I... I did not like that game, especially since I liked the first movie's game. And, Jeff, want to guess what platform I played that on? Uh, well, I played it on an Atari 800 XL, so uh, try and beat that. 
<laughs> Commodore 64. Oh, okay. So the uh, the Commodore equivalent of the Atari 800 yes. XL. That makes that makes that's, sense. That's where I played it. I I could be wrong, but I swear I may have had a reversible disc floppy that actually had the Commodore version on the other side for oh. that game. Uh, I, there was a lot of 800 XL and uh, Commodore 64 games that were like that. That might have been one of them, actually. Uh, you know, one of my favorite games on the Commodore 64. Yeah. I like you know, like I like where you have the money and you get to pick out your car and you stock the car with what you want on it. Vacuum cleaner on the top. Yeah, <laughs> got to get the vacuum cleaner on the top. <laughs> yeah, I used I, to call I found... it a trumpet because I thought it looked like a trumpet and I couldn't figure out why the trumpet was sucking the ghosts in. <laughs> I found the ending the ending sequence to be frustratingly hard just because the controls were so bad. But uh, yeah, no. In, in the Atari version, like, did you have to like climb up the stairs and stuff? Yeah, and it was just. It was it was made more difficult by the the fact that they just designed the controls to be really frustrating. Um, I, I I never beat it. I I don't even think I got more than a couple of floors up before. Okay. I uh, I bought it in the uh, in the Commodore version. All you had to do was get in the building. Oh, that's it. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you get, like you go to the building and like Stay Puffed is like dancing in front of the door, and you just have to get two Ghostbusters in. And then, then you would beat it. There'd be nothing at the top. It would just they would, it would scroll up to the top, and the two Ghostbusters would be there crossing the streams, and the the, the door would shut. Oh, okay. That's that's not Jeez. fair for. <laughs> I I agree. Yeah, because there was that was a very frustrating sequence for a lot of people, and the Commodore <laughs> version did not have that. Jeez. I played it once on the NES version, and mm-hmm. I remember just saying like, "This is stupid." Yeah, and the, there weren't the, even any game genie codes that would give you invincibility <laughs> or anything. Yeah. No, the NES version was uh, t- was terrible. I I um I remember the Ghostbusters two version was slightly better, but only because the first one was was so un- uh, unbelievably bad in terms of the controls and yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah, I mean they got it right with the two thousand nine game. I like that game. I like that game was yeah. its own story, and it was the you know it was a sequel to everything. It tied Ghostbusters two back into Ghostbusters one. Mm-hmm. Was it a Telltale game? No. No, okay. I no, thought... it was uh, Activision, right? Yep, I have it. I just never finished it. I uh, It's one of the few games, you know, because I don't have a lot of time on my hands. It's one of the few games I've actually played through and beaten twice. Mm. Oh, Usually I go lot. through, I beat it once, it goes back in the case, and then it goes in the vault, and it never comes out again because <laughs> I have a stack of shame. But Is the voice acting... Uh... Good, <laughs> for um, lack of a better word. I feel like you want me to say yes. <laughs> well, but it's it's not. I mean, yeah. there's there's a big difference between you know getting Ernie Hudson and Harold Ramis and Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd in a scene and having them play off each other, and then having them sit with headphones on in in a yeah. studio, probably oh yeah, filming dialogue individually, not playing yeah. off each other. Yeah. And one of these games, and I'm gonna piggyback. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna piggyback off a of point streak. <laughs> so you have you're playing as the rookie who's this generic character who's not really supposed to represent anybody and he's just, he interacts with the other four. You don't get to play as them. He plays the rookie. But you can't customize him at all. Oh. So the rookie yeah. is always the same generic looking white guy who quite frankly looks like Agent McGee from NCIS. <laughs> so they call him Proby the whole game, is that what? <laughs> No. They call him rookie the whole game, the whole game, uh. but like I, I was playing it it was, it was with me and a buddy were playing this game and we always called him McGee. Because we didn't know what else to call him. <laughs> so, you know, like, you know, make him look that way. I was like, who's that in the background? I think that's McGee. Like, we just call him McGee. That's what we call him. He's officially known as, quote, unquote, the rookie. And I think in, like, the Game Boy version, they gave him a name in the instruction manual or something nuts like that. But to me, he's always going to be McGee. <laughs> and that's okay. 
But I just think that would have been a nice point to just let people pick what he looks like. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. I don't even think he has any lines of dialogue. <laughs> oh, no. I'm pretty sure he's silent the entire game. Like, how hard would that... Whatever. All right. Sorry. Point streak's done. Point streak's done. talk. <laughs> sorry. We got deep there for a second. All right. So the soundtrack to this film. Oh, amazing. Mm. I like I like the original score. I think the songs they picked were 80 songs through and through. Yeah. <laughs> and the Ghostbusters theme song uh, was amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and even more amazing when you hear all the like uh, urban myths. Of, well, I don't know if urban myths is the right word, but when you hear the stories about like how apparently it was thrown together <laughs> quite quickly. Oh, really, I haven't heard this. What's what, what was going I on? I haven't either. Well, well appar- apparently he, ca- a Billy. Um, sorry, was it Billy? O- oh, not Ray Billy Parker Ocean. Junior. Ray Parker Junior. <laughs> Billy Ocean. Billy Ocean, really? <laughs> Get out, Jen, and I will finish. With that. <laughs> Get out of here. Apparently, Ray Parker Junior. claimed that he. He just came up with it like in about five ten minutes. The whole thing, oh like he he just threw it together. Now he subsequently got sued by I believe Huey Lewis because apparently now I'm trying to I'm trying to remember off the top of my head which was the song that the hook was apparently copied from that he got ac- accused of. I I don't know the Huey Lewis discography that well. That um, but yeah, he he got into some trouble about it sounding like a, another song, but. Yeah, apparently he just wrote it like, you know, he was asked to write it, came up with it just quick, quick, and it, it was more or less as is, <laughs> you know, with a bit of uh, instrumentation oh. and, the, you know, creepy music in the background added in. Um, and, and yet, you know, one of the most memorable movie <laughs> theme songs, particularly yeah. of the 80s ever, uh, and, you know, uh, just just really just came up with it on a whim, apparently. Well, good for him. <laughs> Because that, I mean, it's it's an amazing song. Yeah. It it made a very good theme song. It made a very good. I mean, they used it how many times in the movie? They had one full montage using the song. Mm. They used it in the intro, and it was the closing song. The closing, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the cartoon right. used it, and then the game used it, and yeah, yeah. So, the mini- very iconic. Yeah, yeah, and and as you said, a lot of the other pieces, pieces, <laughs> a lot of the other songs in it were uh, very eighties, but um, they just they just work. <laughs> with with the movie like you you can you can forgive them even when they're being you know they're a bit too 80s you know um, yeah. i mean this it's... movie was everything 80s so mm-hmm. i i don't hold anything against it for being dated because yeah. when a movie plants itself so firmly in a timeline that you could basically consider it a period piece looking back <laughs> then i'm okay with that it i don't i don't pretend to know new york city well but like if you if you wanted to point to a film that like just said new york to me Ghostbusters is definitely yeah. it. Like yeah. it, the New York. I, I think I've heard it said that the you know the fifth member of the cast was basically New York itself, and it's not Ecto One. No, <laughs> all right. Why, why don't why you, are you just gonna blow off Ecto One like that? Why why is this an Ecto One? You know, I've no, I've, I have heard that too. I've always wanted to know what kind of car is Ecto One. I know it's a hearse, but like, what model was it? Like, is that like an old caddy or? I want to oh, say it what, is. I want to. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty going sure to, it was. It's it's just one of those choices, and I don't know whether it was Ackroyd. I wouldn't be surprised if it was, but whoever made that choice, it just you know, every once in a while, you just somebody picks a car or 
you know, it's it's every bit as recognizable a vehicle for 80s cars as, you know, the DeLorean was for Back to the Future. It's just the perfect choice, you know. Uh, a, an older car that's really probably not up to the task, much like their firehouse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but it just works. Uh, and the hearse was was brilliant as as well. Uh, I don't know who who to credit for that, but that was. Um, I mean, you know, who who doesn't want their own little diecast Ecto One toy? I I had one when I was younger that I've long since lost, but uh, I wouldn't mind getting my hands on um, a uh, a scale model Ecto. There's um, got to be. I mean, hot, it's the 30th anniversary. There's got to be yeah. this on sale well, somewhere. Hot. Actually, there's like for the Hot Wheels. They do. Um, gosh, I'm forgetting the name of it, but they do like really nice larger scale. Mm. replicas it's about 150 bucks i think but okay. it looks i was amazing. thinking more in the ten dollar range <laughs> well no matchbox ecto yeah. one okay well that's available too but i don't know when it comes to the ecto one i want to go big or go home okay well easy slimer i have a kid I, gotta <laughs> feed, so. I can't can't be going all crazy with ecto one replicas <laughs> all right all right <laughs> Uh, all right so <laughs> anyone but does anyone else have ecto cooler can i throw Mm-mm. back to that like did you guys actually have it uh is is that the drink or the yeah, that was the drink yeah i i've seen it um but i i don't know if it was available for sale in canada or not i had a friend who bought it when he was down on a trip to the states i never tasted it probably wasn't missing anything there um we certainly had the slime available in oh, stores God. here that's for damn sure <laughs> You know, what really kind of scares me a little bit is because slime was everywhere when in the 80s, like Nickelodeon slime and other people's slime and the Ghostbusters slime, and now it's not, which then makes me think, like, so it's probably linked to cancer or something. <laughs> there has to be a reason why there's no slime anymore, and somebody, that's the only one I can think of. Somebody found out something that uh, yeah. they know <laughs> something, got rid and they of kept it. it quiet, and they just got rid of it. The slime. I um I saw online the uh one of the local Ghostbusters affiliates in Chicago. They uh they had a video showing the recipe for how you could make your own ecto cooler. Oh wow! A lot of sugar. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. A lot huh? of sugar. <laughs> wow. I uh, I knew a guy who tried to make some with their recipe, and he said it was just it was so sweet. We had to like cut it with water. <laughs> ecto cooler on the rocks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I have a very serious issue with eating things that are not the color of what the ingredients of them should be. <laughs> right. I mean, maybe that's just, just me, but yeah, like, if you're putting a lot of orange and tangerine into something, and then you're serving it to me, and it's bright green, something's wrong. Because <laughs> you didn't put anything green in that. <laughs> Nothing was green going Wait, in. wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me sugar's not green? Sugar is not green. <laughs> oh. No. We were... We were eating chemicals. Yeah, but again, this whole generation that now is like, what the hell, I'm not putting that in my body. We were all so little that we would have been like, yeah, it's green. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I think there's something to this generation's idea of, hey, that's a bunch of fake chemicals. I don't think I want to eat those. (laughs) We were just like, I'm going to eat the green stuff that glows in the dark. (laughs) Remember those those ketchups that were the different colors? Oh, yeah. Ew, yeah. Blue ketchup. Yay. No. Ooh. I'm not even a super fan of red ketchup because it's not even supposed to be that red. <laughs> but oh, blue ketchup, how much do they have to put in? Because they have to get by all the ingredients in ketchup are red. Yep. So you got to put that. enough blue in so you're not getting purple, you're getting blue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't. 
I don't want to think about that. I once made Halloween cookies, and I used orange and black food coloring, and I feel like my mouth was stained for about a week. So, like, what's that doing inside your body? <laughs> it, it can't be good. No. Man, I feel like sometimes after I eat that stuff, I feel like I'm about to go to the bathroom and pass a, <laughs> a full, free-floating, full-torso animation. <laughs> I... I love that description. That was the librarian, right? That was the free-floating, full-torso apparition? Yeah, yeah. Say that three times fast. I cannot. I can't even say that <laughs> once. I, I this just is the third time I've attempted to say that in the course of our conversation, and this is the, the last time was the first time I got it right. So I, I love how Ray says all these terms just like he's bird watching. Like, yeah. like there's nothing the least bit unusual about the <laughs> mm-hmm. way he just like you know yeah. <laughs> every every and and the Egon of course hears it and is like, yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, and, yeah, I love Egon. Oh I, yeah. yeah, me too. I I mean he was he's so unlike Harold Ramis. You know, like, he's so straight up, and, and, like, since he's the straight man, like, Harold almost doesn't get to, like, do his normal thing, but he plays it so perfect, like, you know, I collect more spolds and fungus. (laughs) Nobody else could deliver that line and make it funny. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and the Twinkie line, of course, he, his he, he yeah. still has he still has a knack for uh, for explaining things to the everyman, to the layman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like in that scene he like he stops for a moment, and you're, it, you you just know that the character Egon he's doing that calculation in his head. He's yeah. Like, how big would the Twinkie be? Oh, here's how big. <laughs> I think one of the character traits they tried to have for him that they didn't really fully flesh out is Egon is supposed to be like always snacking. Yes. So yeah. that's why, like, he's eating the Twinkie all the time, and, like, to reward him when he actually came up with the containment unit, you know, uh, Peter gave him the, the chocolate bar. The candy bar. <laughs> you yeah. burned oh, this. You burned this. It was a crunch <laughs> bar, right? Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to take back those things I said about you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I I love just, they were so excited. Everyone has three mortgages these days. <laughs> <laughs> they make all the worst choices just to get into business. <laughs> and the and of course the fire pole. <laughs> Build up all the pole was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it has to be for me it's probably the most quotable movie of all time. I, I really and and I I'm a Star Wars fan and and that's saying something. It's <laughs> saying that it's even more quotable than Star Wars. It's uh there there really I I really can't think of a scene in the movie where there isn't at least one really laugh out loud funny line or quite clever line. Um No, they're all every every single scene does. There's even an exposition scene, something funny oh, yeah. is happening. Yeah, no, it's, uh, there's, <laughs> the more I think about it, really, there's not, like, it's one of those movies where, you know how you can judge a movie by, by how easy it is to just go and take a whiz in the middle of it without pausing it and not worrying about missing anything? Like, what go- are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you really, you really, there's really not a slow scene, uh, with the exception of maybe, I don't know, the ghosts, uh, getting, you know, a few scenes of the ghosts, you know, like uh, escaping into New York and causing mischief, maybe, that yeah, go on for a once, bit long. Once the containment unit goes down and <laughs> you're done with the sign of, it's a sign, and it's a sign, all right, of going out of business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> once that line's done, 
Yeah. Then, then you have a very quick moment. Yeah, where you, where you could leave the room. But yeah, it's there's really not many slow scenes. There's there's not. <laughs> it's it's very well edited. You don't look at it and think, well, this could have been shortened up or this could have been shortened up. Like it's it's quite for for a movie that's um that's over a hundred minutes. I think it might even be close to 110. It doesn't drag, and it it just hits all the right beats. Um, I, I, I often wonder whether in all these sets, Jen, whether or not we're going to see you know deleted scenes at last and stuff like that. It would be almost kind of strange yeah, I mean, um, to ha- see I that. They fully released all of the info of everything. I know there's going to be new special features. There could be. Oh, there will be. Sorry, I'm just going back to my old notes. Oh. Uh, there will be deleted scenes. I don't know how many or if they're going to be necessarily that new, but mm. considering there hasn't ever been a Blu-ray release of the second one, I'm sure there's going to be at least some new stuff on there. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, more stuff from the second movie. Yeah. I don't, I'm Not trying to, to get on board this with you, Jen. I really am. All right. But I, See, I, I think, think you're wrong. We need to watch it together so I can point out all the fun. Can I just tell you one more little fact about the second one, even though you hate it? Sure. <laughs> I can edit this out later. Don't worry. No. This is actually okay. a good fact if it's the one that I think it is. It's, it's it is. interesting. And I didn't know about this until I was doing my research for this last article. But do you know? Okay. Well, you know Vigo, obviously. Yes. In the second one. Do you know that his voice is not his voice? That when you hear Vigo speaking in the movie, it is not that actor. His the actor's name was it's like Wilhelm von Humburg or whatever. Sorry, oh. which is the guy's name too. Yeah. Um We're sorry, Mr. Wilhelm. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I'm sure he listens. He's oh, an yeah. avid fan. Writes us every week. Uh, absolutely. Um but have you heard this, Mr. Mr. Judge? No, I Because I know not. Jeff uh Baron Fang, sorry, knows what I'm talking about. But um so every oh. line you hear of his was not him. It was a legendary actor that yeah. voiced Vigo. And that is, and I'm probably saying this poor man's name wrong too, but Max von Sydow. Yeah. Who is, I had course, no, no idea that that's who that was. <laughs> who is, of course, most known as the exorcist. And the horror fan that I am about wet herself when she found out, oh my God, that's Max. I had yeah. no idea for the longest time. Yeah. So I did not know that. Yeah. Father Marin helping out the Ghostbusters. You know, just helping out their movie. That's all. Good Father Marin. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I will say, if there's one thing about Ghostbusters that I can almost not forgive it for, uh, this is the movie that I'm assuming has inspired all these modern day reality show ghost hunters, ghost trackers, <laughs> ghost chasers. No doubt. Yeah, definitely. And like sometimes I think these guys are just, you know, like they're ghost tourism guys. They just do it with the sake of the show. Like they, mm. they, they just really wanted to check out some haunted places. So they show up with their little equipment and their light <laughs> show, and they convince these people that they've actually seen a ghost. <laughs> so they can come in, they can clean everything up, and who knows where they're putting these things. And I want to yeah. see the containment unit. <laughs> <laughs> where did they get that idea? <laughs> <laughs> But I just, I I can't stand these guys. And you look at them and you just want to say, like, you're not the Ghostbusters, man. Well, I don't know. I love the Ghost Hunters. Nobody loves the Ghost Hunters. The, okay, the thing that they have that the, these, these other shows don't have is, well, like you said, they go in there and they say, oh, look what we found. They have always been very, this place is not haunted. We didn't find anything here. 
Right, but I'm going to call shenanigans because they went to Ledge Lighthouse in New London, Connecticut, and they said they found nothing. And everybody knows that Ernie haunts Ledge Lighthouse. (laughs) (laughs) So when they say nothing, I throw I throw the flag. Yes, the BS flag. BS flag. Come on, one the one place they should have found something and they didn't. Everybody knows that Ernie's there. Everybody knows that. Well, maybe Ernie was just you know floating about somewhere else that night. I I just don't get it. Ernie loves that lighthouse. (laughs) He used to take care of it. That's what everyone used to say. Maybe. Like he used, to, he used to do maintenance and clean stuff, and it used to drive the Coast Guard nuts when they had it when it was actually manned. Maybe he hates all these reality ghost shows as much I would, as you I would do, like and he think was like, he does. "F you." Yeah, I would like to think he does. I think he's like, "Oh, ghost hunters, huh?" I think I'm just gonna take the night off. All right. So, Jeff, what was your favorite part of this movie? Uh, to really, the, the the pretty much the entire uh, hotel sequence when their first their first job we got one you know from from there from there on uh, to to them cracking wise after and, and threatening to re release the thing again <laughs> that 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 whole sequence is just um, is just amazing. There's, and, I love every part of that sequence with oh yeah. they'll be totally discreet and they they roll in siren blazing. Anybody seen a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> The uh, and there's you know like the, yes there's some heavy dialogue dialogue sections but there's also some sections of them on their own wandering around and you know just just great takes like you know the power pack being turned on the other two like ducking into the corner to get away from the radiation like <laughs> the and the, you know there's there's scenes where they're on their own or they're over the walkie-talkie with one another and um, and of course that's the first time you actually get to see them use the equipment and all that and and um, and and actually, you know, succeed, <laughs> so to speak. So, um, and and you know, my my favorite line of the whole movie, the the ma- the the maid. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Really, I I honestly thought you were gonna go with, and the flowers are still standing. <laughs> And look, I love that line, and and great. It's a great one because you just know that Bill Murray came up with that. Yeah. <laughs> like, on, you wonder on his if own. he was even supposed to pull the, the thing on the table. If he just, I think I'm going to do this. Somebody film this. <laughs> yeah, Don't look no, at the trap. I, I looked at the trap, Ray. Yeah, that that bit with the maid that just gets yeah. me every time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we should split up. You're right. We can do more damage. That do way. more damage that way. <laughs> How about you, Jen? I mean, I love that whole scene as well. Like, just all of that is amazing. Everything you guys said, like, that's, those are pretty much all the first lines that I think of when I think of the movie. But I also really have a special place in my heart for the whole library scene. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. It's just, it's so creepy. It's so fun. There's just, you know, when you go, when I go into an old library or, you know, an old bookstore like that, there's something creepy about it. I don't know why. And I feel like, that's kind of how I feel when I'm in stores like that. Is I almost feel like they're haunted. I don't know. I feel like that whole scene is really fun, and that's actually possibly my favorite. I think there's a good chance that would be my favorite if it wasn't that I still remember being three years old watching that scene every time I'm at it. Like, yeah, that would freak me out. It, mm. it was it was with no small amount of satisfaction that in the video game you get to go back and actually bust her. Mm. Get her. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. No, she, yeah, she was a uh, she was one of the levels in the video game where they they were tracking something and like it's all connected. She had something to do with uh, like Ivor Shandor too, but yeah. you have to go back after her. So you go back down into the basement. You gotta you gotta get her again. And yeah. uh, if I had to choose my favorite scene, uh, you know, I 
I love the whole like climbing up to the building. It like everything from when they enter Spook Central, <laughs> like <laughs> up through. I mean, just everything at that point. They're climbing the stairs. They're tired. Where do these stairs go? They go up, and you know they they go up. They see the door open. And they see everyone like turn to the dogs and he's like, yeah, that's right, my girlfriend's dog. <laughs> you know, the, choosing who's the destructor and. Ray's all what just popped in there and he comes <laughs> it's Mr. Stay Puff, the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Yeah. Which when you're a kid, it's just kind of funny, but you don't you don't understand how absurdly amazingly funny that is until you're older and like, yeah, it's he it's the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. The guy on the marshmallow box. <laughs> he's a sailor. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's great. I love you know my mom. My mind is completely incapacitated by fear. And then they finally come up with the plan to like to cross the streams and it's great. And, yeah. and it's, then it's it's such a great climactic it, it part is. of a it's, movie, really. Not it, not too many movies pay off as well as Ghostbusters does. The whole thing is just perfect. I love watching it. And it's also when my favorite Ghostbuster gives my favorite line of the movie is when Winston says, This job is definitely not worth eleven five a year. <laughs> <laughs> Because that was that was pretty low even in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he was basically like you know literally he is hunting ghosts. He is preventing the end of the world. But because you know he's just an employee, he's making a blue collar wage. Yeah. Speaking of that scene, that is possibly one of the most iconic lines from the movie. When someone asks you if you're a god, you say, <laughs> say yes. yes. <laughs> oh. Amazing. Yeah, every everything that there's nothing that is said or done in that sequence that is not perfect. Like there's mm-hmm. there's not a single bit of wasted dialogue in any of it. Yeah. And it's great up until they blow her up, and then you know they have to re- resolve the, and then from there it's not as fun. But yeah. And Walter Peck gets a whole bunch of like marshmallow blown up. <laughs> Once again, screw you, EPA. Screw you. Yeah. Wasn't it all shaving cream too? It had to have been. Yeah, I was just going to ask that, think. though. Although, how many cans of shaving cream must that have been? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's that's a lot. Just, there's no chance it was marshmallow. Like, that's just not feasible on any level. Yeah, it was too, like, whipped and light. And... I, I assume it was shaving cream. Let's hope they cover that in the special features of that set coming out. You know, what was all that stuff? Yeah. So, Jen, if you had to score this movie, what would you give it? Five... Slimers at a five. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Jeff. Oh, a score, a score for this film. Um, you knew this uh, was coming this entire time. <laughs> this off. Well, you've listened I, to Hero Talk before. This I, is what we do. You've been on I one. Have, I have. I have. Um, I I will give it um ten slores out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Oh. I can't even say what a slur is. Uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, I will give it five free floating <laughs> torso apparitions out of five. Hey, I did it! Did it! Yay! <laughs> All right. Well, hey, that was Hero Talk. Uh, Jen, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jeff. I thank guess you very much. I had to have you here too. <laughs> no, just, you. Jeff, thanks. Thanks a lot for coming on. No worries. All right, and everybody out there, we hope you had fun, and we will see you back on the next Hero Talk. Hero Talk.